and Cheryl when we were younger. No, I'm just kidding. We, we will not demonstrate for y'all. <laughs> All right, somebody under 30 in the room that has any idea who that was. Anybody under 30? Under 40. Anybody know who that was under 40? I know it was blurry. Right there, I saw a hand. Who was it? Fred Astaire? Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. There we go, Ginger Rogers. I thought as we talk today, uh, we're working through a series we call Born This Way, and we've talked a bunch about being male and female uh, a really great way to capture the relationship between a male and females by looking at a dance like that. I, I showed my level of culture this week and looked up Fred Astaire's top 10 dances of all time. Now, they, they were like 30-second clips. It was perfect for my cultural aptitude. I'm pretty, pretty cultural. Anyway, so I watched them, and it was interesting to watch each one. He has different people in each one, but he, he's this amazing dancer, but he really, his, his partner would bring this beauty and power to what he already had. He had vision and strength. But, but in this particular case, Ginger Rogers brings this beauty and power to him while he's on stage that he just couldn't capture on his own. So we've been together 34 years. This is my wife, Cheryl, by the way, if, that, if you didn't know that. 34 years. Let's see. First time I ever held your hand. What happened? Oh, my goodness, y'all. He was so smooth. He went finger by finger until he had my whole hand. It was so smooth. Yeah, I know I had that, didn't you? <laughs> Young guys, write that down. That's in your notes. I know you got a phone. Go on the notebook page. Write that down. Now, there's, this, there's this really interesting thing that's happening. Like when you're young, you're kind of trying to figure it out. And when you're old, you're trying to figure it out, right? If you're married. And then there's this amazing thing that happens in the church where both men and women bring their gifts to the dance. And we, as a church, love this town and love each other, and we really need each other. We, we've been trying to say this over the course of the last week, that, that we're distinct but equal, equal but distinct. We need both, and there's this partnership that happens certainly in marriage, but this isn't just about marriage. If you're single in a room, this, is, this doesn't exclude you. It actually absolutely includes you. It goes all the way back to the creation of the church and even prior to that to creation of male and female. So uh, thanks for being with us today. We're going to talk a little bit today uh, about being a female. So I thought I would bring one up here to talk about because it was going to be a little awkward for me to talk to about myself. I thought this was perfect. There's somebody that wrote this after the dance or after the many dances that uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers uh, danced together. They wrote this. Sure, Fred Astaire, who's the most famous, was great. But don't forget, Ginger Rogers did everything he did backwards and in high heels. Right? <laughs> it, like, so there's this one thing when you read that, and the writer of it was trying to be funny. He was a comedian. So he's trying to be funny. And certainly every lady in the room identifies, yes, that's exactly how it is. And yet when Ginger Rogers was asked about it, she, she goes, no, I didn't ever say that. There, like, it, she kind of got that there was this beauty and partnership. But the frustration is that oftentimes the beautiful power that a lady brings to the dance just gets discounted. It's happened throughout history. And it continues to happen. And today we thought we'd talk about it a little bit, right? Let me pray and we'll jump in. Father, uh, we worship you as the creator. And so even as we read your word, um, 
it seems odd that we struggle to follow the leadership of our creator, and yet we do, Lord. And so as we read your word, we pray you bring it to life. We pray that it would, uh, we get it intellectually, but it also penetrate our hearts. And this just be a good time. I know on this subject there's been much pain. And uh, some folks are in the middle of that pain right now. Meet them, even as we talk, Lord. For some, there's, there's lots of encouragement on this right now. Meet them. Meet us all right where we are today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been reading from Genesis to go back to the beginning. So if we're going to talk about being male and female, we wanted to go all the way back to the beginning and see how this thing was built, its original design. Uh, normally on Sundays, we kind of work our way through a book. Um, in a couple of weeks, we'll start 2 Timothy, and after that, we'll do Acts. But we thought it's really important in our society to go back to the beginning and, and see how we were born. How were we born? So Genesis chapter 2, I'll read it to you. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she will be called woman because she was taken from the man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. So we go back to this image of God thing. Image of God, image of God, right? Equally image of God, but pretty distinct. If you can see pretty good at all, you can look up here. There's, there's a pretty distinct. When Cheryl talks, you'll go, there's a distinction between male and female all the way back to the image of God. And we would say that he was demonstrating his greatness. And actually, he was showing how the Trinity works together. He wanted to demonstrate his greatness by making male and female, right? That, that it's about his creation. And then, then his creation would only flourish if the two of us would work together, not just in married state, but, but as a unit, as we do as a church. So you've been listening to some podcasts. This is my pod, books and podcasts. Cheryl like works and then gives it to me, and I, I take the cliff notes. I'm like, a faster reader, but I must say I've started miles. listening to podcasts more now because I can multitask. But I have been in awe of the beauty of this. Um, it wasn't that it convinced me, but as I studied and listened, it was just so amazing how God is so vast and being made in his image and portraying him as male and female, beautiful. But one of my favorites, and if you want to ask me later, I've got links. Um, the Gospel Coalition did a panel with uh, people like John Piper, Tim and Kathy Keller, and Don Carson and Kathleen Nielsen. It was amazing, y'all. I think I could listen to it over and over. And one of the things that stood out to me, um, well, a couple things, John Piper's story reminded me of mine because his mom was so strong. His dad was off all the time as an evangelist, and his mom taught him everything from flipping pancakes to how to paint the house to everything. But when he came home, she gladly yielded that leadership role to her husband. And so he saw it modeled. But Kathy Keller's fascinated me because she didn't become a Christian until a teenager and felt called to the ministry, ironically, before she even said she really started reading the Bible. So in the United Presbyterian Church, um, she was excited because they were ordaining women and said, I'll be ordained. I want to be in the ministry. But then in college, she began reading the Bible for the first time in her life and said, 
it was indisputably clear by just reading from Genesis to Revelation that the Bible assigned different job descriptions made us different, men and women different. So when she went before the presbytery, which was, I guess, 350 pastors and elders, and she was supposed to declare um, what track she was on, she said, I'm changing tracks. I don't want to be on the ordination one. And when they asked why, she said, it's, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> she said, then half of the men began to boo and hiss. And we see this today. This is a very, very um, hot hot topic mm. of women and men and it's and it's going to be it's been since creation because that is part of the curse but what stood out to me is that she learned from reading the bible the bible was her source of knowledge and who am i which makes sense because god is our creator so i thought that was interesting but also as i listened i really learned more about the different things not just in um husband and wife relationship but within the church where there's a term called egalitarian, which is where people in the church believe that men and women are equal and interchangeable. I mean, just women can do any role a man does and men can do any role a woman does. And as they were talking at the Gospel Coalition, they began to discuss complementarianism, which is where radius would be, we would be, that we believe men and women are equal, equal in value, equal in their competency and in their capabilities, but we are distinctly made different by God, made in his image to complement one another in our differences. And another thing I want to add is I don't want us to be confused that that means we're a traditionalist church which sets men as a patriarchy where the women are subservient. Right. That is not who we are right. at all. Right, so complementary. Exactly. Really we complement each other right That's here. Right. And it's just this That's really right. positive way of talking about truths from the scripture. I love it because I think sometimes when we, I just read the Genesis account and you hear helper ladies, and if you weren't here last week, we talked a bunch about it, but that, that might feel a little funny. Let me read helper again in the New Testament real quick. This is John chapter 14. But the helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Does that sound subservient? It's not, not at all, but it, it is a position that the Holy Spirit takes to take the teachings of Jesus and teach him right now in this room. The Holy Spirit, the helper, is actually working this room right now. So when you see, see here's some of these terms, I think because of what I'm about to read, because of sin entering the world, it took what was supposed to be easy, us working together with ease, and it made it complicated. Let me read you the account. I hate reading it because it's depressing. But here we go. And we're going to pick on you ladies because it's your Sunday, right? So this is Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Satan speaking to the first lady, Eve. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Ever heard that before? The woman was convinced, and she saw the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. And she took some of the fruit, and she ate it, and then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And then you skip a few verses to verse 16, and God speaking to the woman this time. Right? The first one was Satan, the serpent, speaking to her. The second one is God, and he's pronouncing a curse because of sin. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, 
and you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. How about that? Mm. Uh, that's, that's hard for a man to read with his wife on stage. That is a curse, not a command <laughs> for the husbands to rule over us. That's the curse. Right. Is that I, men always, are, I always say it cursed us all. It did. Because it made it conflict did. here where this was yeah. peaceful. Right. Uh, the earth got hard, so work got hard, which made it difficult for us. The curse was a communal curse. So really. men have a tendency towards either passivity or tyrancy, which right. are neither, neither of revealing God in his image, right. right. So then you've been like, like waiting all week for me to get to this point where we talk about the source. So we know based on the first passage that it goes back to creation, goes back to God's word, but we got all these other sources vying to help us define what a woman is. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like one of my greatest passions is, is talking to women because you ask anyone, what is woman? And that question, that can't even be answered nowadays. It's so, it's been so diluted and so changed. And so I, the, the, whoever, depending on who you talk to, it could be anything. But my passion was to go back to what Kathy Keller did and go to the source, the creator. Like if you own a car or you own a vacuum, you go to the owner's manual. If you're having a problem or if you want to know how it works, you go to the source of creation. So... As, as I kept studying this, my heart was burning for the fact that I know in the stats right now that mental illness is raging. I know that um, men and women both have this, but it seems like women more have depression and tendencies towards suicide and self-harm. And you can ask, why are those things skyrocketing literally in the last 10 years? You can read any source, and it's saying that they are just... Off the chain, as my husband always hey, says. Off the chain. I, I feel funny saying that. That sounds funny coming out of my mouth. But the fact of the matter is, since social media has been around, all of that has skyrocketed. And I would submit to you that back in the garden, Eve was not looking for the enemy, but he was hunting for her. Mm-hmm. And he did not just out and out say, rebel against God. He said, wouldn't you be wiser and smarter if you took that? He dripped on her things that were part truths. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he was saying, you substitute yourself for God. You, you be the one to go for knowledge. And he became her source without her even realizing that. And so I look at social media, TV shows, movies, our peers, our friends, what is it that has become even a little drip of influence in us that might be causing more confusion, more depression, because we're not going directly to the source? We've seen this in our house, how media impacts you personally. Like, so, so we're old enough to remember when there wasn't social media. I know that's shocking. But, no. but uh, e- even the newspaper back in the day, we used to take newspaper every day. You can read uber fast. So you read it. You want it for the ads, right? Yeah, so back when I was younger and didn't have social media, a form of influence who knew who I was was the newspaper. And so... It drove me crazy because I, why? I actually had to quit, let it go, because it just grew fear in me. It grew... I wasn't able to flourish as the woman I should be because I began to live in fear. Because you focused focusing on everything. And I focused in on all the bad news and the negative. And um, 
And just peers even, just the, I remember so much confusion in my mind as I would look to celebrities, like, am I supposed to, like, they look so powerful, they look like life is so good, and you look to them. And here's the interesting thing, um, as I thought about some of our influences now, one of the people I follow um, and like to hear some of her words of wisdom is Jackie Hill Perry. And I just thought it interesting as she was talking about when she became a new believer and was trying to figure out who she was as a woman and said, Lord, if there's something holding me back from truly following you as I should, um, show me what it is. And she said, I did not like what I felt like the Lord said to me. And she said it was one word, Rihanna. (laughs) So it can be the music we listen to. Can, I'm not bashing anything that is not hymns and Christian music, but we have to be intentional and selective if we truly want to know who we are as male and female. And here's another thing that was interesting. I was going to watch the Barbie movie last night because that's such a big, like it was the big blockbuster, which to me means women want to see it and enjoy it. And so I'm curious about it. So I, I, I got online. It was 25 bucks. I wasn't going to spend 25 bucks. Still's out. But Good I, want, Goodwill all day, I wanted credibility when I sat up here. So I read like over 15 articles, and most of them were not Christians that wrote the articles telling about it. So I'm not even giving you just a church view. But the articles I read, I was shocked by the, the, the um, push to hate men. I remember JT stood up here a few weeks ago and said, he had a friend who said, I hate all men. This is a Christian friend. And how the movie, from what I read from both Christians and non-Christians was that there was basically not a good man that was portrayed and that the women had to be the ones to fix the problem. We've got to fix this problem. And then I thought it really interesting at the end, it said the creator um, of, of this Barbie looked at her and said, I have nothing more to give you. You need to look within yourself to which just, I didn't have to watch the movie reading that. I thought one of the greatest, greatest deceptions is look within yourself, follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? Because if you look at Jeremiah 17, 1, and really, if you look at from the Garden of Eden to Revelation, it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So I just, my passion for women today, if you hear anything, is I can't tell you everything you are today. There's too many facets of being a woman to be able to describe things. I am going to fall short. I said into that first service, and then she looked like, at me yeah, funny. Maybe I'm like, don't, yeah, yeah, y'all yeah, are a little be complicated. Care, be careful. But here's the thing, y'all. The source, the Word of God is our source. God reveals himself through his Word. So go to the source. Love it. So I've watched her as a mom do this for years, like take the Barbie movie, just as an example, whatever movie, sit with the kids and watch it and then give feedback on what's being said. So it's not like it's just throwing it out. Like there's enjoyment. If you want to hear somebody laugh at a movie, go to go with Cheryl. Like she's going to laugh uproariously. And at the end or sometimes in the middle, she'll push pause or sometimes it'll fast forward because we don't need to see that and leads the family to what is being taken in. And helps them translate what's going on. It's, it's a massive role as a mom. And you, you, you did a lot, lot more than, of that yeah, than I, I did. Part of handing off the power to our children of what we learn, nurturing them, partnering with them, inviting them, is to teach them to look through the lens 
of how God wants us to view things. The more we take in of culture and society, we begin to look at things through the lens of, well, what would culture think? What, does, what, what do my friends think? And then we're, we're going to keep following after that curse, living in the curse. We won't truly know all of our capabilities, the vast amount of imaging of God we could do. Think about how vast God is. And our reflection of him gets stifled. But when we're intentional, when we tell ourselves and our kids, hey, did you, did you notice that one little line was actually what Satan said to Eve in the garden? Like when we're that intentional with ourselves and with our children, it changes the lens through which we view everything. So for both men and women, when we are people of the Bible, then, then we have to be careful where uh, our minds and our mouths go. On this subject, right? So when you're in a group of men and it's any, if there's anything moving towards some uh, effort to make women second class, then we just got, we got to remove ourselves from that kind of deal. Like there's some funny differences between us where we can have some fun, right? And same for the ladies. Like you be careful that, that every guy is not painted in this negative fashion, which our world is constantly confusing us. When you go back to Genesis chapter 2, he, he paints this picture of a beautiful partnership, not just in marriage, but as for the world to flourish. However, by the end, he says, this explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united as one. So there's this, there's male and female go straight back to creation, says the Bible. And so does marriage, the definition of marriage, male and female go straight back to the original to how this thing was designed. It says it in Genesis chapter 2, 24. And if you go to the New Testament, if you want to do a little research, 1 Corinthians 11, when it talks about how we relate, he points it back to creation. 1 Timothy chapter 2, when he talks about male and female, he points it back to creation. He's consistently pointing it back to the, to the one who created us, to the creator's owner's manual, if you will. So... Um, then in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5, he actually tells us, so for a minute, for the married folks, just how the two of us relate. And ladies, like, like I'm just going to read your part again. That's, that's the deal today. This is, your, this is your day. So here's what it says. For wives, verse 22, chapter 5 of Ephesians, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Well, the husband's the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church, and the church submits to Christ so you wives should submit to husbands in everything. How about that? How do you feel about that? Well, I usually go on to say, if you keep reading, there's like, there's two verses for us wives. There's like six or Wait seven. Wait I said this is There's like thing. a bunch more for the men. <laughs> right. Well, uh, so, when, when we're talking patriarchy and look at it through right, the lens right. of patriarchy, that's appalling. Right. It's terrible. Because it... Abuse could come from that. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, and that is not quote, what is that is not what he's saying. No. We better would be say we have this equal partnership yes. of which I'm the head. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm leading and I'm the dance. The neck that turns the head. That's exactly right. It's <laughs> <laughs> why we want to show you that dance video because there's this man, what are they laughing about? <laughs> there's this there's this leadership that I provide and yet you bring all this beauty and power to the dance and yeah. really it's a together kind That's of right. thing. It sounds really good when we talk about it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, like when we talked to the guys a few weeks ago if you missed it. By the way, I heard I've been soft on the guys lately, which is disappointing. That's not my reputation, but anyway, we we talked to the guys and we said the guys need to have a vision for their family. Yeah. And we talked uh, for me there's a picture on the wall of what I hope the Reeves family would look like. Not, you know, not detailed, but this picture of how I hope we'd follow the Lord. 
um, over the long haul. But then I looked over at Cheryl. She was sitting right there. And I go, but Cheryl makes 90% of the decisions in this house. And when we were talking about it last night, she's like, you don't even make 10% of the decisions around. I'm like, easy now. Like, and every family's different, right? So some husbands probably make more and some wives probably make less. And that, that's not what this is about. But it's, it's this challenging dance of learning to dance together where I bring some strength and vision and you bring this powerful beauty. Well, and at the very beginning, remember, y'all, when you're learning to dance, you're stepping on each other's toes all the time. So right. when you're young and starting out, we've been married 34 years. So we still get clunky. Uh-huh. And the dance feet. looks more like a fight sometimes, which it <laughs> might actually be, and doesn't always look like the beautiful, smooth dancing. But we have worked out a lot of that as we have gone to the source and figured out who we are as male and female and learned to appreciate. It's funny, the things you fall in love with then mm. later sometimes causes the problems, but you have to continue to learn how to appreciate those differences. All right, and so the we got dance a lot of young smooth. couples. Let's get some practicals. Okay. All right, so... Uh, Brand new newlyweds, and I got this vision that we need to be generous. Oh my! And you, you mean were like for give it. everything away? No, I don't mean <laughs> like like uh, loving the kids and the, the. Well, yes, John wanted to make sure I understood that generosity, the way God says John, generosity, is that everything we own, from our time to our money to our house, belongs to God. And so here we've just like painted our little duplex apartment and. He's, he's been, before we even married, he'd been going down to like the inner city of, of impoverished, where impoverished kids were, government housing. He was doing things with them and loving on them and sharing the gospel with them. Well, he starts bringing them to our perfectly, freshly painted little duplex. The next thing I know, they're all wrestling and playing and there's scuffs all over the walls. And that was part of my learning to release as a female, I enjoy things a little neater and nicer and cleaner, but to learn that vision of generosity, that I would rather live that out to the benefit of people knowing Christ than hold tightly to some of the things I value. That, he led that way really well. So as we learned to dance as a newlywed couple, like I, I was used to leaving my underwear in the middle of the living room, right? Like that's just, that's, that was, seemed the appropriate place wherever I, that's just where they were. And then on the flip side, you had to learn like this place isn't going to stay immaculate. Right. We're, we got a mission on our Which hand. Which one of us learned that faster? Uh, <laughs> probably, probably jump ball. equal, I don't know. Yeah. Now we got married. We had kids a little bit later, six, seven years in, we started talking about school. And you guys, some of you guys are working out how to educate your kids. And for us, that was one of the most, one of the biggest decisions we've ever made was how to educate our kids. This and is not to tell you how, to no, ma- not to tell you what decision to make, but how we made the decision was I came into marriage with, with not learning well at a public school and having some really bad situations happen at a private school. And so I came into marriage, a very fearful person for my kids saying, over my dead body, will my kids <laughs> go to a public school? And you John, see how the dance gets complimented. The over my dead party. I'm a little strong. Maybe not all the women are this strong. But then John would look at me and say, are you willing to ask the Lord what we should do? And, so, and then I'd say, are you willing to ask the Lord what we should do? So we, we did, though, pray. We pondered. We discussed. We did some arguing. We argued a little bit. And the Lord ended up changing my heart, I will say, without him telling me how it had to be. God changed my heart and our kids because we were in places where actually we felt like it benefited them. Mm -hmm. And every parent might do it differently. Every child might be different in that decision. But our kids went to public schools and it's been really great for them. Yeah. But we we did it together. But it took a while. It's a dance. That's right. (laughs) 
So uh, let me throw myself under the bus. There's something that we talked a bunch about, and I kind of pulled out the tiebreaker card, mm -hmm. said we're going to do it my way, right? Uh, technology, the way we handle technology, for the, especially the older kids. You were pushing back the other way, and I, I had this vision that we were going to make the kids independent, and I was fighting for them to be independent. And where did we miss it? How did you have to handle that? You wanted to, be, you wanted to teach them strength, and that was good. But you, we, we tried to do things. He coached me to do things relationally um, as they got older. As they got to be teens, I was more of the drill sergeant when they were young. But as they got older, we wanted to be more relational to help them not want to just break the rules. But that was one thing I knew was a big deal, and I knew my temptations. And John just felt like, well, they'll be fine. And talk about it. so I didn't want them to have their phones in their rooms. I thought they should be out at night. And this is okay. And this is flip phones, texting and calling only no internet, but I still didn't want them in their rooms. I knew the, I knew, I didn't know quite the power, but John's John let them. And our daughter as an adult said, the one thing I wish you hadn't let me do was have that cell phone in because it did influence me. So we learned that later. And then our younger boys benefited from that knowledge and didn't have <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, so it's like this dance where you screw up some. And I absolutely stepped on Cheryl's toes during that little season of dancing. It was a bad decision for our family, quite honestly. And, and not just Mariah regrets that decision, but the boys regret some of how we put technology in their hands. But we keep dancing together, right? Like I, Cheryl's got some... Uh, hurt toes from the process, but you, you continue to work it out. And then there were times where um, f f we used the word submit a minute ago, like respect's a really important word. I, I really needed yes. to be respected in some ways. And there were some times where that went away and you stepped on my toes. Yeah, I would, I would say, women, this is really good to listen to that I, and, and every marriage is different. There are marriages that are not equal in pursuing God. Um, one may be stronger than another. There's marriages where one may not even believe in God. And you, when, you need to know that the submit word does not ever, ever mean if a spouse is asking, if the husband's asking you to do something that is contrary to the word of God. Mm -hmm. Never. Mm -hmm. If he's abusive, this is why we're both men and women in marriage, but also in the church. This is where you're supposed to be covered by the men, and, and you need to. If there's abuse going on or something's not right, we all stand together as a family. But um, I was, if you can't tell, I'm very verbal, <laughs> very intense, very emotional, dramatic, and I believed in him. I had a husband who actually was attempting to lead me well, not always perfectly, but lead me well. So I believed in him, but I wasn't always for him. I was more for myself. And so even though I, I did submit to his leadership, but I would heap on him all my disagreements and all we the times. You made a hard decision to go to Texas. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But it wasn't just Texas. But I just made a habit of verbalizing things in a way that wasn't for him. It was more about myself to where I remember he's a man who carries himself very confidently. And I remember looking over at him and seeing his shoulders slumped, and the Spirit of God just spoke to my heart and said, you are doing that to him. And it really, y'all, I had been so for myself so long that it took me years to weed out that, that um, tongue lashing or whatever, the heaping and the self-righteousness in my own heart. And I learned that there is something about where I promote the curse if I am not for him because we're supposed to be a team. So that was a big lesson for me, big.
We're still learning. 34 years in, still learning how to dance. And when I, when I say lead, there's times where Cheryl leads the dance. But because, because of my relationship with God and there's this confidence, con- my connection with him, I can let her lead because there's certain areas that she's just way better than me. But the overall vision I'm responsible for. And it's, it's, it's an interesting dance. Well, that's where we do it together. We do it together. And where things like the checkbook, the cooking, the, we're not, going back to, we're not talking traditionalism, right. patriarchy. Mm-hmm. We're talking that at the end of the day, there is a responsibility before God that a man has. The woman is responsible for herself. We are responsible. We're responsible for each other. Sure, it says yeah. in the verse before, submit to one another. But then again in the word, it says, wives submit. So we do this together, but, but when there's a tie, he breaks the tie and he will be held accountable for that. Mm-hmm. So here's what I want to address really quick. In a room this large, all sorts of situations, right? All sorts of situations. Some where one or the other spouse knows Jesus and the other does not, right? Some of you guys come here alone on a regular basis. Could be the lady, could be the man. Hey, and we, we, shoot, proud's probably not the right word. Honored to do this with you. And that's, that's the world we're in. Some of you are maybe hearing this, and it may sound a little too good to be true because you've been from such a difficult place. Um, and it, we can be as transparent as we can be, and you're like, that's not, I've never seen anything like all that. All that belongs in this room. So we're giving you kind of a biblical overview, and we do not want to make it seem too simple or easy, which is why we have groups here, which is why really the way to grow in areas like this is to be in relationship with somebody else. And for some of you, you're like older than us, and it has been hard, and it's still messy, and you're going, we're past the point. That is, that is just not true. The God of the Bible transforms people, and he makes them into different people. The word transformed actually puts us in a position where we can yield to another and have some of this beauty. So ease up on yourself a little bit. If you're taking in, you're like, this is over my head or a discount. But just take in what the Scripture is saying about male and female, particularly females today. And then we just talked a bunch about marriage. We've talked a bunch about it being a dance. And when I see Ginger Rogers on the screen, she like, she like you you're watching Fred, but you don't really watch Fred. You watch Ginger. You watch, she brings this beauty and this power and a word we like to use around here to talk about how women are generally are stronger at something than men. It's the, the word invitation or invite. Yeah, so we talked about how there's so many different women with so many different facets to us that we can't, no one is alike. But there are some core capabilities that God has given women and men. And one of those is women are just by personality, by sight, we're more inviting. And there's ways we're more inviting, we're more nurturing to people, we're more... Now, there are men who invite and nurture and partner, but we are have that as a capacity in a way that a man usually does not have. But those capacities, they're not just in action, but they're also in our disposition. So in action, inviting might be showing hospitality. It might be that we do things to make others feel welcome, which might even be decorating our house. Women love to decorate. Some of that is what's within us wanting to be inviting. That's part of how we're made. Now, every capacity that we have can be corrupted, is corrupted by the curse. We fight against the corruption. So like decorating can become materialistic, where we're always wanting to keep up with the Joneses, and it can actually hurt our relationship, our relationship in the church, we're less effective. So everything that we have um, 
can be corrupted. So there's being inclusive is an action we can take to be inviting. Um, we have a disposition of being, if we are truly inviting, we're approachable. That's an inviting. And John likes to point out, do you want to point out my extrovertedness and how some people, some women think that they have to be oh, extroverted? Yeah, yeah. No, invitation is not at all about personality. So Cheryl sees a neighbor walking in the neighborhood. She runs out of the house to talk to them. It's true. That's, that's kind of inviting, but it's also a little weird at times, right? Like that's what... <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Extra, I try not but, to make it obvious. <laughs> right. She's just coming around the corner. But that's who she is. That's what she, so, so like, particularly if you're an introvert in the room, you like talking to Cheryl because she kind of fills some space. It makes it more comfortable. That's how she's inviting. But we, we've got lots of friends that are more introverted, and they invite in a totally different By way. listening. That's listening. one thing yeah. I envy people who are introverts because Ask that questions. is, yes, yeah. what I'm, I try to learn better. <laughs> um, being vulnerable. How we corrupt our, our invi- being inviting and nurturing by, by not being willing to be in small groups or by hiding away or um, when we withdraw and isolate, that is a corruption of the way God made us to be. Here's some other, um, some ways that we corrupt being inviting is either self-protecting, which would be withdrawing, isolating, or my case, I, I don't withdraw as much. I'm an extrovert, self-promoting. The woman who everything is about her, look at me, hear my stories, let me tell you my achievements, um, flaunting things, which we won't even go into things that we wear, where how we're not thinking of the other to make the other better when it's just all about us and our bodies and our achievements. We're not helping. Um, The person who says, I am what I am, deal with it. As women and men, we want we want others to be better. So it means that my extrovertedness, when I'm around certain people, I don't change who I am, but I temper it for the sake of making the other being for them and making them better. As a pastor on this invitation thing, ladies, I, I just love what you do for Radius. So this thing started in our living room with just a few people, and there was a few ladies in the very earliest of days, both single and married, that made this a welcoming place. More so than the, the guy we efforted, but as, as a group, it is something that people still talk about today at Radius is that it's a place where you will be welcomed. And ladies have really driven that, often with, with no recognition. So, so thank you. Thank you for that. That looks like Jesus. On the flip side, there are these dangers when you're an inviter because you really want to invite people in. It comes kind of natural that you can be a gossip, Right. Through the years, 20 years, we fought that here at Radius. You never win that battle completely, but let's just remind ourselves right now, we have to kill that. The end of Radius Church is like just right there in the future if we become a place that's full of gossip, where we, where, man, the thing that you want to get me irritated, pray some gossip, right? Like, hey, let's pray for blank and give information that you shouldn't be shared. We're sharing it with God, so what could be wrong with it? Well, it's all, you're inviting somebody in a spiritual way, and then saying something that's detrimental, it don't get a whole lot uglier than that. Taking God and connecting him to your need for affirmation. So we got to fight it. So this invitation thing, it's this gift which causes this whole place to flourish. And thank you, but it can also tear it right down. We're out of time. Oh, goodness. You want to hit nurture like you got well, yeah. 60 seconds. As nurturers, we're, in, we're actually encouraging others in a way that creates strength in them. I just mentioned that that the curse brought about a desire for us to be for us and not for others. And as women, single, married, 
we can empower others in our communities, in our workplaces, in the church. And here's something that I think is so cool that occurred to me. I think this is my idea, actually, mm. is that the curse wants to lead us towards death. The enemy yeah. comes like a prowling lion to steal, to kill, to destroy. But the word of God brings life. Jesus is our life. And here's the thing. When you walk toward the source, toward the word of God, to know who you are as women, it's an unwinding of the curse. You're becoming more like you were truly Mm -hmm. created to be. Is that Mm -hmm. awesome or what? So when we fight the battle to nurture and not as mothers, instead of wanting them to need us so much, instead of feeling bad disciplining, oh, we want them to like us, we got to give them the latest this and that and the other. Women, when we have our identity in Christ, then we're not bound by that. We're unwinding the curse. We're actually, we're actually not corrupting our kids or cursing them. We're freeing them. Yeah, so I think when you think, ladies, when you're nurturing, particularly moms in the room, when you're nurturing, like uh, our world is changing that definition where it means you're just a giver, mm-hmm. right, where you give people what they want. Yeah. A true nurture gives them what they need, right? So that, that means that you give some stuff and you take some stuff. Like you're, you're doing what's best to develop this child to be their best in the end. Yeah, and one more thing about partnering. Right, though. I know. <laughs> it occurred to me, we live in a world where women get so desperate to partner, to feel loved, which is kind of partnering, that we are, we are giving up the value of who we are, which is another reason of depression and so many suicidal tendencies is because we seek to partner with the wrong people in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Intimacy, mm-hmm. Um, both male and female, we, we start um, not trusting men, we turn to women. Mm-hmm. It is a part of the curse, ladies. So mm-hmm. look to the source for who you are. So as we get ready to worship, I want to remind you a couple words from Jesus. Matthew 26, he says about this right here. Take this and eat it, for this is my body. Talk about, ladies, uh, Jesus representing you as he created male and female, and he representing who you are. This moment, he partners with the Father, right? In obedience to the Father, he goes to the cross and gives himself as a sacrifice. He invites, he literally right now is inviting you to the table to eat with him, a table that he paid the price for so that you could belong at it. He invites you to the table. Everybody in the room that knows Jesus today, you're invited to the table. And if you haven't met Jesus, he's saying, come. He's constantly saying, come. He's come to me. He's an inviter. And in the end, he nurtures in ways that we can't. Cheryl and I have to forgive each other all the time because we're both sinners and we hurt each other's feelings. And I say stuff too harsh. It's this constant give and take between us. But Jesus never screws up. When he nurtures, you come to the table and you take the bread and juice today and participate in his sacrifice. He's actually saying, come and I'll do all the forgiving. I'll forgive you. You're welcome here. Let's pray together. Fun to do this with Cheryl, Lord. Thank you. Uh, thank you even just having her sit here, her represent what you did in the very beginning. You made both male and female, and we worship you as the creator for that, <laughs> for that mind-blowing ability to create. As the creator, we're shocked that you're willing to come and die for your creation, Lord. It almost makes no sense. It, to us because uh, we've rebelled against you. 
and you made us. And then you came and had your son die on the cross so that you could have us in relationship again. Thank you, Jesus. As I sit up there and talk and I think of all the good days Cheryl and I have had together and all the days where we've screwed it up one way or another, I know there's all sorts of pain in this room. And there's lots of joy in this room. So uh, as folks have joy and they worship right now, I pray that you'd help them see that you made this in a way that could give just amazing joy when men and women work together, whether in marriage or not. And then, Lord, that they'd also be able to put their eyes on how it's been broken and look at, at some of the things that have hurt them deeply, deeply and come to you and ask you to heal them, to make them whole again. Pray for some that just have some deep bitterness as we talk on this subject and they can feel it while we're talking, that they would take that bitterness out, even if not with somebody else in the room, but take it out and put it before you and allow you to deal with it and give them some peace, give them a chance to heal. Um, help us, Lord, as we worship. We love you. Amen.